Hey, it's Gene and Josh. Welcome back to Church Reconstruction Podcast. Last time uh, we were talking about finances and just the idea of giving from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to sort of continue that discussion today. Take off. Uh, we're going to take off with verse 8, uh, who says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So the first phrase I want to pull out of there is in verse 8. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So what's he talking about there? Everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As we already hit on, like every blessing that you have, every good thing comes from him. That's, you know, scripture as well. That everything that we own, that we could be proud of, that we could be happy, anything that brings, like it, it all comes from him. Right. So to be able to freely give that back or to be able to trust that the same God who provided you with this in the first place can do way more. And maybe he's asking you to be his provision to someone else. Absolutely. I agree completely. You know, that, like you said, everything that we have in our lives is beneficial comes from him. Like Romans says, he is a giver of all good gifts. And absolutely true. But the reason is why it, you know, I guess the question is why does he give us those things? And he answers that at the second part of verse eight. He says, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You know, we are given a bounty of things by his grace so we can use those things for his works, yep. for good works, right? We are the whole idea of you're, you're blessed to be a blessing. I'm not given more so I can hoard it up or I'm not given more so I can, you know, hide it away and stuff it in my mattress. Or I'm not given more so I can, you know, be greedy and yeah. and all those things. I'm I'm given more so that I am blessed with more so that I can abound in every good work and be a blessing to someone else and use those things to be a blessing. Yep. I think that's like I don't know, I can just think of growing up in, you know, different churches and being a part of different things, being a part of, you know, touring music and that sort of thing. Like we weren't getting paid to do what we were doing. We were, you know, touring the country and, you know, go eat like stuff off the uh, dollar menu or that kind of thing. But I can't tell how many stories of people that we encountered that would bring us into their homes and just be a blessing or take all of us out to eat, which would end up costing them a couple hundred bucks. But they did it joyfully because they were good stewards of what God had trusted them with. And they wanted to use what they had to bless others. So they would see us and they would see, you know, these kids that were, you know, dirty and sweaty and smelled bad. And they wanted to bless us with something besides cheap tacos from Taco Bell. That's what I see is people that are blessed, know the importance of being a blessing to someone else. Yeah. Just a couple of things that come to my mind. The first one is I think about churches when I, when I read this a lot of times and think through this passage, one specific church, just a couple of miles from us who, you know, has a very nice building built an addition a couple of years ago, have a nice fellowship halls, completely separate on a couple of acres of land and everything's paid for and has been paid for for decades. Yeah. And, you know, every Sunday they meet, they take up an offering and they, they do pretty well and they've got pretty good, pretty substantial sum of money in the bank. Let's put it yeah. that way. And they never do anything with it. It just yeah. sits there. And, uh, you know, I have some, well, let me say, I know some people who go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've, I've wanted to ask that, like, what, what's your plan with all that? Like, 
there, there's so many needs around you. There's so many people, you know, families and individuals all around who need help. And there are so many worthy ministries. Like there's so many avenues that you could, they could sow those seeds and see, I mean, an instant harvest, but they just sit on it and hoard it up. Yeah. The other thing that comes to me as we read through this is like, you know, I think th- there's a picture I think God wants us to get from this. And, you know, most of the time, like we're sitting there with our hands out, one hand out wanting more, like give me, give me, yes. give me. But the posture here is two hands out, you know, and that I have one hand out to receive from him and I have my other hand out to give it away. Yeah. And I'm just the conduit, the vessel, whatever, however you want to word it. But I'm just the one that is supposed to flow through. He gives it to me in this hand. I give it away in this hand. Yeah. And it's like a, a two-handed posture. Yeah, because as you've already hit on, and I hit on some, one, you said you can't outgive God. And then two, I talked about it being a trust issue. So if we were to get some sort of blessing from God and hoard it up, is that a deep down belief that we have that that's all he's ever going to give us? Right. That he gave us that one thing. But if we don't keep it, he'll never give us anything else. Right. It's set for a rainy day. Exactly. Yeah. And that means that we don't have the trust that he is who he says he is and that he is a provider and that he is the creator of everything and he owns all things. And that if he gives us something and we use that to bless someone else, his piggy bank is not empty. Right. Like there's more coming. Right. And that, that's where, where we go. If you jump into verse 10, it says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. For sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I mean, clearly the text says he is the most generous giver. The most generous giver of all is our Heavenly Father. You know, and he talks there about, you know, he supplies the seed, he multiplies the seed, he, he gives the increase. You know, again, he's the giver of all good gifts. You know, he says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You know, if you really stop and think about it, I mean, he gave us the greatest gift, right, in his, in his son and by sending his son for, for our good. Second Corinthians 8 9 says, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you might by his poverty become rich. You know, the whole, the whole idea, you know, the one who owned it all became poor and gave it all up so that we could come or become rich in him and, and own it all, so to speak. Yeah. And that also sounds like a clear thing. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Right. Like that is a very clear guideline of, I didn't give you this just for you. This is not just for you. Goes back to like what I would hopefully say is common sense. If you had enough to share and the person next to you was going hungry, what would Jesus do in that situation? Right. Should be that simple. Yeah. But unfortunately, we've made this way more complicated than that. <laughs> right. And so, again, we, you know, there, there's a lot to talk about with this and we could go on and on and on. But I mean, where I really want to get to with this whole idea, this whole topic is is the question. Because, again, we go back to the question, how much of my income does the church deserve? Or, how much should I give to the church or you know, how should it be collected? And we get all off in the weeds and bogged down. The The real question is, what does Jesus truly want from us? Yeah. I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Jesus, you know, spoke often about money, but he doesn't demand just 10% of it. He demands it all. Yeah. Right. And, but he's not talking about, 
hundred percent of your income or hundred percent of your possessions, he's talking about a hundred percent of us. Like he wants all of us. Yeah. You know, and to to be counted, you know, as he is to be counted among his disciples and to be used by him, that's what is required. Matthew sixteen, twenty four says Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The disciples, you know, again, they were walking with him in the New Testament throughout most of it, and they knew what this meant. When they saw someone carrying a cross, it wasn't a 10% proposition. It was a dead man walking. Yeah, you exactly. Know, carrying the cross meant execution and nothing less. Yeah, 100%. Everything that you are has been given to him. So to sew back into the local body, that should be something you want to do. And to go back to the story that you were talking about, I'm not an advocate for telling someone that they should quit their church. So definitely pray on that before you jump to any conclusion that I'm saying. But if your excuse for tithing, for not tithing, is because you don't like what your church would do with it, or you don't think that your church would do anything with it, like you were talking about, if you think it would just sit in a bank account, find somewhere else. Go somewhere else that you're comfortable sowing into. Because you should be sowing into something that you see a harvest. Right. You should be sowing into something that is also sowing into the community. It shouldn't just be growing stagnant in some church's bank account somewhere. Right. And if you also think that, well, I gave my 10%, so this other 90% is mine, that's false. It all belongs to him. So to see, even if you're sowing into the community that you're a part of, and God puts it on your heart to bless someone else throughout the week. That's his too. And to fully walk in that trust while it makes no sense, but to be prepared to just give away everything because you're more attached to the one who gave it to you than you are to the actual things. It's such a beautiful way to be because I know we talk a lot about the rich young ruler and how Jesus asked him, go sell all your possessions. And we always ask the question as, you know, preachers, like, what is God asking you to get rid of? Like, pick the thing. And we often skip over the question of what if it's everything? Everything. Because right. I've had people tell me before, well, God wouldn't ask me to give away everything. You, what you're telling me is that you've already made up your answer for when he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about that passage earlier. You know, we, a lot of times in the church, we like to explain things away. And usually you'll hear that passage with some explanation of why it doesn't really mean everything. Like, yeah. It couldn't really mean that. Well, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. So if you take this back, hold back to the idea of tithing and giving, you know, Jesus isn't asking for 10% of our income or even 10% of our possessions. He's asking for our entire life. Yeah. He is asking us to shift and, you know, from the, from giving the the tip and the offering plate to the totality of all that we are, because it's all his. And personally, I mean, I think that that is the reason you don't see the word tithe in the New Testament. Because how can I give 10% back when it's all already his? Yeah. You know, it's already his. Yeah. And that's why my mind still goes straight to the church in Acts. I think when you see the words they had all in common and they were selling houses to sow into their community. And they were, as we already said, if there was someone that could not eat, that person was carried by the others. Like. They did not let anyone go hungry. Everybody had what they needed. And that meant that some people that had extra had to sacrifice that extra to give other people what they didn't have. And I think that's probably why the 
idea of tithing isn't really talked about because it just became common sense. Right. It just became common sense that if you are sitting there with your full belly and someone across the street from you is going hungry, you're doing it wrong. Right. Like we talked about a couple of episodes, you know, it's the whole love of Christ and compassion thing. Yeah. I mean, how can you, you know, going back to your illustration there, how can you sit there and eat and be full knowing that your neighbor across the street has none? Yeah. You know, how, how does the love of Christ in that situation, Yep. <laughs> you know, sort of goes back to the same idea. And, you know, I think the, the other thing is we got to remember that Jesus is less concerned with what I give than he is with my, with me yeah. and my soul and, and my condition and my relationship with him. My passage is always good too when I think about giving is Matthew six thirty three, which many people know and could quote, but he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, because that passage to me, it's about devotion and it's about where where my devotion lies and you know, who has my heart. Yeah. You know. And and I would suggest to you that if you're holding on to everything but ten percent, then your heart isn't with Jesus, it's with the 90% holding on to. Yep. And I just think it's time that we put limiting things to, you know, a 10% or a certain percentage and, and quit making that the goal and, you know, radically follow the Lord and yeah. do what he asks you to do. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And, you know, if you, the other thing too is if you really think about it, like we've already said, you know, he owns it all and he is a generous giver and, we are most like him when we reflect that character and that trait of generosity yeah. and how we give to others around us. And that it's not going to make sense all the time or any of the time. I shared a quote in my sermon this past week that I think applies to this. He is much more concerned with your obedience than your understanding. Right. And I think we're not always going to see what our sacrifice could mean for someone else. We don't always get the joy of seeing that instant fruit, but we can know that if God asks us to give something up, that there is a reason and there is a purpose. He's not just pulling strings to make things difficult for you. He has a purpose behind asking you to sacrifice. It's either for the good of someone else or for the good of you. And normally those things go hand in hand. Yeah. So I guess I'll, you know, wrap this whole thing up just by saying that, I think we have to, as the church, we have, and as in just as Christians and individuals who want to follow Jesus and be Christ-like, like we have to stop seeing ten percent as the goal. Yes, and see that as the starting point. Yeah, and start praying and listening and just being obedient to whatever He leads us to give and however He leads us to give it. Because again, it's it's all His. of the Church Reconstructed Podcast.